Fanny Crosby, 442. I thought I had it marked here. I must have lost it. 442. Fanny Crosby, that lady, can you imagine she was born six weeks into her birth, went blind, lived till 90 or something like that, and passed away, never got to see uh, people in her life, song after song after song, and today we're still singing those songs. Today, I mean, if it wasn't for ladies like uh, Fanny Crosby and Chester Allen, who wrote the music to the songs that Fanny wrote, Sister Fanny wrote, we wouldn't be here. You got a songbook that is, I mean, just packed, cram packed full of songs. There's another one right here, uh, Ira Sankey. Uh, man, I don't know what in the world I did. I, I put these all in, a, in the wrong place. Everywhere is wrong. Oh, that was Fanny Crosby. Tell me the old, old story, uh, Fanny Crosby. Uh, you sat there and started looking at those things. Ira Sankey, uh, he wrote, uh, he, Dwight L. Moody, back in the day in church, uh, they just didn't come to church and sing. I mean, they had men and women writing the hymns that the church, early churches were using back in the 18th, 19th century, early 19th century. And we're still gleaning off of that today. Brethren, we, we come to church, we don't have to do what they did. We have, we have nothing, all we have to do is come in and just enjoy the past that our heritage has. And it's sitting right in front of us in these songs. I, I sit there and I, uh, they sang a song a few minutes ago, the Ira Sankey wrote the music to it. Right across the page he wrote that. Dwight L. Moody was starting a church and he goes, man, I need a song leader. And man, there was Sankey. And he pulled Sankey out and him and Sankey went down through the line. And both of them, what Dwight L. Moody did was... Part of Ira Sankey had, had his hand in that thing because the music led up to the preaching. The preaching and the music went together. It lit the people up, and, and we had the Philadelphia church age. And I'm telling you, brethren, this, we, we ought to be so thankful tonight that God's given us some stuff that we can come and still read these songs. You ought to read these songs as you're singing them. I mean, they are, they are, this is your life. These are your brothers and sisters who wrote these things. Anyways, Brother Tim is going to preach that tonight. I talked to him this morning about 4 o'clock. I sent him a note. He sent me another note. Said no, he wasn't going to do it, and then he, he got himself right, and now he's going to do it. But uh, he started thinking. I, I, uh, yesterday, we let Brother Chris do the wedding. Uh, Chris is is Ben's dad, and I sit there and I, st I started thinking about that thing the whole time. I said, I just didn't feel right. I just didn't feel right doing that wedding. Not that I mean, I was faith pastor, but I'm like, that's his dad, and his dad's been on the field with him for like ever. And I'm and I never thought nothing about the church in. Ukraine watching that on live stream and here they're watching live stream uh, brother Chris which is their pastor marrying doing the service officiating the service for his son and faith and I, then I talked to Tim I said hey Tim uh, since you're the dad you might have want something to say also in this thing and he said no I don't have anything to say and then all of a sudden he says I do have something to say uh, so I don't know what he's going to say uh, uh, I can neither confirm nor deny any part of this message. Uh, it is who knows what it's going to be. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, he, he, he didn't lose a daughter. He gained a son. And they didn't lose a son. They gained a daughter. And uh, it was just a great time yesterday, brother. And I, I thank you all for being here and all the stuff that you all have done over the years. And Appreciate put on your mic or whatever you're mad at. All right. Yeah, I did... Uh... I did turn down the first opportunity, which is something that I've not done very often. But you know, I had a few errands to run, and and uh, you know, when I, I when I got here, the Lord put some things on my heart because the message that I thought I was going to be doing, uh, I've got something rolling around in my head, but I haven't really done a lot with it, and it's going to require a little bit of historical fact checking, and I just knew I wouldn't have time to get into that. And then I got here, and the Lord put some other verses in my heart and some other scripture and um i'm like well i could do that and he said yeah you probably should have done that all along i said yeah i know i blew it didn't he? he said well just ask and see what the pastor says and i asked him right after service he said yeah you can do it he said he was just getting ready to ask somebody else so whoever he was getting ready to ask i apologize but uh if you don't know who you are then no harm no foul um get to john chapter 14 um i went over two minutes on New Year's Eve, so I'll quit two minutes early tonight. And the nice part is, no matter what time I quit, it'll always be two minutes early, so nobody will know the difference. So it'll all work out. But yeah, it was uh, it was quite a it was a real blessing yesterday. I appreciate it again everybody that came out and everybody had anything to do with it. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. No no big. Um, 
the Lord showed me some things, and he said, what took place yesterday was a, sorry, what took place yesterday was a picture of a wedding that is yet to take place. And uh, some things that happened yesterday run in direct parallel with what the Lord has prepared for us. Um, John, John 14, verses 1 through 4, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there, uh, there ye may also be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity um, to get up here, Lord, and I just pray you just get me out of the way. Lord, I just pray that you'd use your word and the Holy Spirit would just convict people and, and just help us. Lord, this is, this is a, a message that uh, it's going to be about you, Lord, and just some encouragement of what has yet to come, Lord, and what you have prepared for us. And Lord, I just thank you for that even now, Lord. I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So with any wedding, any event that's going to take place like this, there needs to be a place that has to be prepared. And uh, I had talked to, I can call him my son-in-law now, Ben, and I told him, I said, look, there was some, th- I, had, I had FaceTimed him or whatever you call that um, when he was still in the Ukraine. And I gave him my expectations. I said, look, you know, you get over here and you want to marry my daughter, there's some things that you have to do. I said, I know you're kind of getting off to a little bit of a, you're, you're, you're coming in a little bit behind, uh, but, you know, there's still some things that you have to do. Uh, number one, you have to be able to support her. You have to have a job. Yeah. There's no room here. You can't live with me. Um, and I expect you to have something a little better than flipping burgers at McDonald's, you know, part-time week. I know they're making like $39 an hour now at McDonald's. Um, but regardless, I expected a little bit more from him. Um, I told him uh, one of the other things was, he has to have a place for them to go. He has to have a, pla- a house that when they left here yesterday, they had to go to a place that was their own. Um, I expected something a little better than a box under an underpass somewhere. Um, but, you know, I didn't expect a big mansion either. Uh, I was realistic, and, and they have a nice little apartment. And, and um, there's a lot of people that, that uh, they, their kids get married. And then they leave the reception hall and they go to the basement of their parents' house that night. And I'm thinking, no, that's, that's not good. You know, that's, that's not the way it should be. It didn't, uh, for a lot of reasons, that's just not a good scenario. I told him, I said, once you take her, there's a no return policy. There's no, you know, that's, that's it. She's yours. Now, you know, you have to take care of her. And um, he didn't balk at any of that. He understood it. And he was very respectful and, and he expected it. And uh, I really can't say enough good about the way he, he uh, reciprocated and the way he, uh, you know, he, he's a good guy. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, she's blessed to have him, he's blessed to have her, and uh, I'm very, very glad to call him uh, my son-in-law. Um, but see, he had some things to do. He had, uh, he had to get that place prepared. And here in, in, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, and I go and I prepare a place for you, and I will come again. And I'm just looking, I can't, could you imagine what he is preparing for us? See, it's, it's really hard to wrap your mind around that because the best we can do is we can compare it to what we see here. But it's going to go, be so far above and beyond anything we know. It, it's just really hard to even fathom what he has in store for us. I mean, the roads are, are paved with gold. They're the streets of gold. They're not just paved with it. They're made with gold. So what, can he, what does he have for us? That's exciting. Okay, that, that, if that don't get you excited, then your exciter's broke. Okay, You're, there's just something wrong with you. He is doing something. He is preparing a place. He created, he was there at creation. He created this earth. And it's not the same condition that we inhabit now. It was a perfect earth before sin had taken hold. And, and it, was, it was perfect. And it was flawless. And then, then sin entered in. And this is what we have. But one of these days, this is all going to be gone. And he's going to start over. And there's going to be a, a, a world, an earth, with no fingerprints of sin on it. And there's going to be a heaven, and he's going to recreate the whole thing. And that's what he's preparing for us. He's, getting, he's preparing something for us, individually, personally. The creator of the universe right now is preparing a place for us. And that, that's, that's exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, another thing that had to be prepared for was the event that took place yesterday, there was some preparation 
that had to take place. Uh, there, there's a lot that goes into preparing for a wedding or any kind of event of that size. Um, we're specifically talking about weddings, but there's a lot that goes into it. Months, okay? Um, you, had to, you had to establish the menu, and then there was months of planning, and then you had to change the menu, and then there were shopping sales online, trying to get the, and then you had to change the menu, and then you had to go grocery shopping and trying to get all, and then you had to change the menu, and, and <laughs> the menu changed a bunch. I mean, Faith said, you know, if Faith would have had her way, which she did largely, we just, you know, kind of gave her some guidance, and she uh, fortunately, you know, saw the light, but I, I believe initially the, the, menu, the, the wedding would have consisted of, do you? Yes. Do you? Yes. Okay, grab your sandwich on the way out. We're out of here. But fortunately, you know, she, she uh, saw, well, okay, it probably should be a little more than that. But Robin had made some meatballs. And it was kind of mean, really, because these were really good meatballs. And we had some, some guests over, and, and she said, you know, these are the meatballs we're going to prepare and we're going to have at the wedding. And everybody loved the meatballs. There was no meatballs at the wedding yesterday. It's not because we ate them all. It's just because the menu changed. And a lot of things changed. But there was a lot of preparation that went into to getting all that. Um, the dress selection. You know, I don't understand it personally. I go clothes shopping. If it fits, we're good. You know, I go to Walmart and, I, well, if it wasn't for being Walmart, I could get in and out in like 10 minutes. You know, I know my shirt size, I know my pants size, I could have a whole wardrobe for under 50 bucks and still have enough for lunch and we're good to go. And you know, all in less than 30 minutes. But the dress, picking out that dress took a little bit more. And, and you know, how do you know, you know, someone asked her or someone said, well, how do you know when it's the right dress? She said, well, you'll know. And I guess she tried on a few and she got to that one and she said that was the dress. That was the one she wanted. I don't understand it, but I believe her. Um, the wedding party, the, the, uh, all the young ladies looked very nice. Hannah came out. She was the first one, I think. Maybe it was Becca. But I know when Hannah came out, I said, oh, my. She said, is that good? Is that bad? What's that mean? I said, no, you look very nice. And then Rachel came out. I said, look, you very, look. it wasn't you know, bad and it wasn't weird. It's just the ladies all looked very uh, presentable, very uh, modest. And they looked like nice young ladies. Something that you want to have at an event such as this. Something that Jesus Christ wants to be said of his bride. A nice, Amen. pure bride at his wedding. Um, the men, you know, we all had the tuxes on. You know, they weren't skinny tuxes. You know, they, wasn't, they weren't showing off their abs. And I mean, other than me, you know, they all looked like they were pretty fit guys. And then you had the blob. But, uh, you know, they're, they're all young and in shape. But... You know, there was nothing indecent about what they, they wore. Um, there was no nastiness between the, the bridesmaids and the grooms. It was just a very nice, clean event. And I'm looking at this thing, I'm like, that's what, the, the, when we get called up for the marriage supper, it's going to be a very pure, very holy <laughs> event. When we meet Jesus Christ, when we meet the groom, that is going to be just, I mean, it's going to be perfect because he's preparing it and he's establishing it even now. And it's going to be just perfect, just the way he wants it. Um, when, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, Robin had seen this, this headline, this, read this little article, and I guess there was some woman there, and I'm not going to go into any details because I don't want to paint any images, but essentially this, this uh, lady, uh, I guess she, her, her wedding dress didn't really consist of enough material to make a, a pair of basketball shorts for an aunt. It was very skimpy, and then I guess the way she acted at the reception in front of family and friends was just very nasty and very vile. I'm like, why would you want to do that? Uh, uh, you know, you, you invite people out. Why would you present yourself in such a manner? Surely no one can have any kind of respect for you after you do that in front of an entire room full of people. Um, why uh, a church would allow a, a bride to approach the altar like that is beyond me. I don't know. I guess she just paid enough for it. But... See, none of that, that took place yesterday, and none of that's going to take place when we meet Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's um, going to be a very pure event, like I said, and, and, and very holy. And when he comes for his bride, and it's going to be exactly on time according to the Father's will and according to his timetable, and everything that he does will be perfect, and it'll be decent, and it'll be in order, just to set forth by the Father. 
And all the preparations for that event are in work right now. You know, you look around and, I mean, I, I don't like to read the news. I don't like to watch the news. Uh, I don't like the weather. The weather's depressing. If you live in Ohio, the weather is very depressing. Uh, you can wait 15 minutes and it might get better. Um, but it's just really, you know, it, the news is just depressing. But you hear about the wars, the sickness, the deaths, and all of this existed way before COVID. This has just been going. It's just getting worse. But it's, it's always been like that. But, you know, when you stop and you think about it, everything that we're experiencing, everything that happens, God has allowed that thing. You know, it, it, you sit there and you wonder, and I don't get too caught up in that anymore. The, more, the older I get, uh, and hopefully the more mature I get as a Christian, I don't get so focused on the fact that he has allowed Satan to have control. What, what I, when I think about that, I say, you know what, he's allowed him to have control, but only to the extent that he allows it. See, Satan has a very, uh, he, he has a, a box with which he, he operates. God's not in a box, okay? He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, and he, 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 said, he established it. And even though Satan knows what's coming, he can't do a thing to change it. And God has, has, has uh, ordained that thing, and he's established that. And you sit there and we wonder, why would he allow these things to happen? Because it all has a purpose. You know, we were reading about Daniel this morning and how Daniel was cast in the lion's den. And you think, well, Daniel didn't do anything. The worst he did was pray. And that's the only thing they could find against him. He prayed. So they used that against him. But when you look at the end result, King Darius come to, to, to know of the true and living God. And he decreed uh, uh, that everyone should recognize the true and living God. And it was a decree that couldn't be reversed, just like the, the other decree he had made. So God had put Daniel in a position. Daniel allowed himself to be in that position. He didn't... He didn't uh, pitch a fit, or he didn't go into hiding. He allowed the, you know, to be used of God, and God reached another man and reached a nation through that. And all along, the nation of Israel was in captivity due to their judgment. But even through their judgment, God still used at least a few of them. Um, he's in control. He allowed them to fall into captivity. He allowed them to be persuade, or persecuted under Pharaoh uh, before he got them out of there. He allowed them, as he allows now, and as he allows in the future, uh, maybe even on, 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 in greater, to a greater extent, uh, the church to be persecuted. Uh, we don't see it a whole lot in this country right now. You're starting to hear a little more murmurings here and there. Uh, but, but it does exist. Church persecution, persecution does exist in the world today. It's just not as prevalent here in this country. He allowed the gospel to go out to the Gentiles in order to make his chosen people jealous. See, God does some things that sometimes we just don't understand. It just seems backwards to our way of thinking. But he allows these things because he can see the end, and he has a point and a purpose to all of it. And that's all part of the preparations. That's all part of what needs to happen according to his plan for us to finally get to that point where we're going to be with him. And, you know, at that point, I, I think, maybe not, but I think we'll have that moment of clarity where everything just pops into the view and makes perfect sense. Or we may just say, you know what, that's in the past. Even if it happened 10 seconds ago, it's in the past, it doesn't matter anymore, I'm with you. That's all that counts. Who cares about then? Now is what is important. And then we see here in verse 4, And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. So he, he, a place needed to be prepared. The event needed to be prepared. And now that those things are established, people have to know the way. They have to know how to get there. Okay? Um, when we sent out the invitations, there was an address. They knew where to go. Um, ben, when he got the apartment, Faith knew where it was at. I mean, she did a lot of cleaning over there before, but I mean, she knew where the apartment was. He didn't go get a cave in the side of a hill somewhere and say, okay, this, this is a secret place. When we get married, I'll take you to it. No, he knew, or she knew where that apartment was going to be. Uh, unless you're like that guy we heard about this morning, unless you're guy, the guy relying on the map, you know, you know where you're going, okay? Um, Jesus Christ didn't go to heaven without making the way known to us. So he didn't leave and say, I'll send you a postcard when I get there, or details to follow. You know, a lot of times we'll put in a bulletin, uh, to, you know, to be determined or details to follow. That's not the way it was. When Jesus Christ left out of here, he gave us the way. He gave us the instructions. He gave us the roadmap, the GPS signal, the coordinates, whatever you want to use, whatever, however you want to uh, uh, relate it, he gave that to us. And we know exactly how to get there. And beyond that, 
Not only did he make the way known, but he made it simple. Robin used to make fun of me because I, when I give directions, I use landmarks. You know, you go down to grocery land, don't use grocery land, it's not there. It was wiped out by the tornado a few years ago. But I'd say, go to grocery land and turn right, or go here and turn, go to the shell station, go, and she'd always make fun of me. So, you know, because I'm using landmarks. And she said, I just made it that more difficult. And she'd always use road names. Well, anyone knows here in Dayton, every road has about four different names associated with it. So, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to do it. And they all have, can be confusing to their own degree. But the way to heaven is not confusing. There's one way. And if you drop down there in verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's very simple. There's one way to heaven. That's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Man. And people balk at it. People, people refuse to believe it. It's right there in black and white or in red and white. You know, I mean, it's the words of Jesus. Um, it can't get no easier than that. Uh, so not only did he prepare the, the place, did he pre prepare the event, but he let us know where it was going to be. He prepared the direction. He prepared the way. And he, he prepared a, a, a path for us to get there. The second part of any big event, if you could turn to 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10, and this sometimes can be the hardest part of it. There's a weight involved. Sometimes you just have to, to wait for that event to arrive. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Sometimes the hardest thing we can do is wait. Now, I imagine probably just about any wedding that has any amount of preparation and, and that is, you know, months or maybe even a year off, at some point, the bride, you know, and all her, her uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, she's usually probably, maybe in some cases, you know, very quiet. Usually faith's very quiet. But typically, at some point, they probably all get to the point where you say, let's just elope! Let's, get, let's just get it done! And then the bride's parents may or may not secretly agree. But I'm not going to say where we fall on that. But key word being secret. But there's a wait that has to happen. And there's much to be said for waiting. It builds patience. It builds character. It builds trust. See, we're waiting on the return. We're waiting on Jesus Christ to return. And we have to trust that he's going to do, as he said, that he's going to come back for us. Okay, we, we trust in him. And we've got we to gotta do some things along the way. There's, there's some things that take place during that waiting process. Um, yesterday, one of the people that Robin invited, she's known her for about 10 years, Robin told me that was the first time Ben and Faith had kissed. And she was shocked. It's not that she thought any less of faith. It's just that's unheard of. You know, you, really, that's the first time? You know, because normally, they, you know, so many couples do that and so much more uh, before they ever get to the altar. And, and, but they waited, and that was a witness. That was a testimony. That, that, that was something that said, look, I, I'm, I'm wanting to spend the rest of my life with you, but I'm willing to wait for certain things until we get to that, that point. Um, I, see, I, got, I had a chance to talk to him a little bit before we came to church. And um, Brother Stahl asked me yesterday, he says, can I give you some advice? And I said, yeah, what's that? He said, don't call her this week. I said, I won't. She's already given the order. She wants strict radio silence. I said, I will respect that. You know, I, all I asked is she let, let us know when she gets down there. Well, so she made first contact this morning, brother. I did not call her. <laughs> but uh, she reached out to me. So I was able to talk to him for a few minutes. And I said, you know what? I'm proud of the way you all handled yourselves during this past you know, year plus. I said, since he's been over here, you know, it, 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 I thought they handled themselves very well. I said, uh, never once did they, they give me any pushback or any kickback on having a chaperone. Now, that's not to say it was always convenient. It wasn't always convenient. And for Andrew and Becca, it wasn't always convenient. <laughs> but they still did it. And they never pushed back and they never fought against me on that thing. And, then, and, and that alone is a, is a good testimony. They arrived to church, either with a chaperone or separately. They left from church with a chaperone or separately. Um, so a lot of people saw that. And, and 
if you didn't, maybe if you think back now, you would realize, oh, yeah, that was the case. Um, they did, some, and I told them, I said I was proud of them. And before you get all too caught up in the word, me using the word pride, it's okay to be proud of things that are done God's way. Okay? I'm proud of our pastor for preaching and teaching from God's word. I'm proud that God gave us this word. Okay? So it's okay. Just like Jesus was right to get angry and flip over the money changer's table, it's right to be pride, proud, be proud about the things of God and that are done his way. There's nothing wrong in that. There's a wrong way to be proud, prideful, and there's a right way. If God's involved and you're pride, uh, happy about the things and proud about the things he does, then that's good. Um, but we, but they, had the, they had the wait. Okay, They had to wait for that day to arrive. They had to wait for that first kiss. They had to wait for that time to be alone. They're traveling down on their honeymoon. I keep looking at my watch just to see if maybe she's texting me saying they've got there yet. Um, but they're, they're, they had to wait to that point where they could be alone. You know, I think of David, and he was promised a throne, and he was even anointed, but yet he had to wait. And, and I think about David, and, you know, I thought, well, and something Pastor said this morning, you know, David ran from Saul, and, and a lot of times we say he was afraid for his life. And I started thinking about that. You know, I don't know that he was so much in fear for his life, but maybe... He didn't want to be put in the position where he would have to kill or be killed. And it just dawned on me this morning when he was talking about murder. Maybe David just didn't want to be in a position where he would have to harm King Saul. And so he just felt it was better to stay out of the way and remove himself from the situation altogether and stay two steps ahead of King Saul rather than have to fight him. I mean, he did cut his garment at one point, and he, he got upset about that, and he, he, he repented for that, and he apologized for that. But I started thinking, you know what? A lot of times if we would just remove ourselves from the situation, it would make waiting a whole lot easier. Because sometimes if we're, not, if we're not in a place where we shouldn't be to begin with, then we won't be faced with that choice. And David made the right choice by, by running, by, by getting out of the way and said, look, I don't want to fight you because one of us is not going to come out of this thing alive and God doesn't want me to remove you. He didn't tell me that. He had his opportunities. And God said, no, I'll take him off the throne when I deem it to be the right time. And David wasn't going to do that a second earlier than, he, uh, than, than God said. In fact, he ended up killing a guy that, that uh, claimed to have king, uh, killed King Saul. So, and I think of Paul. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy for him to wait. And Paul had a glimpse of heaven. Now, can you imagine that? Like I just said a little bit ago, I can't imagine what's in store for us. Well, Paul got a glimpse of that thing. You read over there in uh, 1 Corinthians? Um, but he, he had a glimpse of that. And then he had to wait. He still had to wait. And he had to endure. He had to endure hard times. He had to endure loss of vision. He had to endure hardships. He had to endure trials and beatings. He had all those things to endure, and he had to wait all along the way, knowing full well what was up there. Waiting requires patience, and it builds character, and it requires character. Like Paul, he likened the Christian walk to that of running a race. Over in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. He tells us to run with a purpose. Okay? Run with the intent of finishing. <clears throat> run with our eyes on the prize. Now our gift is eternal life. That's not the prize. That's our, that's our free gift given to us. So our prize will be revealed to us at the judgment seat. See, how well we run that race, how much we, we, we do and say and, and, and act according uh, as, as God put forth. What do we do for Jesus Christ? That's our prize. That's what he has in store for us. That, that's what we'll, we'll be put, our, our, our deeds will be put through the, the fire. And what comes out? The wood, stay and hubble, uh, wood, st wood, hay, and stubble. I'll get it out eventually. Gold, silver, precious stones. Whatever makes it through that fire, that's what we get. See, so that's our prize. So what you keeping your eyes on that? You keeping your eyes on doing something that glorifies Jesus Christ, that, that will give him the glory and the honor from it? If we were to run with that in mind, the judgment seat of Christ in mind, and doing those things that are acceptable and pleasing unto him, 
See, then we can get through this life. We can finish this life with a purpose. And that, that's what really counts. It's not, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. He who dies with the most toys still dies. Okay? You're going to leave it all behind. Um, you've heard it before. You've never seen a U-Haul trailer or a truck following a hearse. You know, it, it just stays with, then other people get it, and then they fight over it. And even if you leave nothing behind, they still fight over nothing. I don't understand it. Another thing about running that race is stay in your own lane. Don't worry about how other people are running their race. Just concentrate on where your foot's going to be next. Concentrate on that next stride. Concentrate on what lies in your path rather than, than what others are dealing with. Let's, let's, look, let's just look at a few verses here. Um, I like hearing uh, pages of a Bible turn. Let's go to Psalm 130, verse 5. Psalm 130, verse 5. In these verses, I'm going to read three different verses of Scripture, and they're all going to have something in, in common here. It says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Now let's go to Romans 8.25. It's a good sound. That sounds so much better than swiping, you know? It just, you just don't get that same thing. I like the sound of hearing those pages turn. Romans 8.25, it says, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And then Galatians 5.5. 5, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at the common denominator here in just a second if you haven't already noticed it. Galatians 5.5, 5, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Three different verses, and they all concentrate on one thing, and that's hope. And this is not a hope-so hope, but rather a no-so hope. This is the waiting for the fulfillment of a promise from Jesus Christ. Okay, this, 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 is, this is not, I mean, there's a lot of times where I'll say, man, I... I really hope we get a good raise this year. You know, I hope the company's done good enough. We can get a, you know, get an annual raise. I really hope it's, you know, good. That's you're just hoping, and you, you know, you're 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 wishing. You're not. You're not based on really anything substantial. You're just, you know, hoping for the best and see what happens. That's not what this is. This is this is the fulfillment of a promise that you know is going to happen. This is waiting for something. This is a this is a, a, a no-so hope. Saying, man, this, this is going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about that. See, this is things that the lost world does not have. We have promises in this book. We have a hope that goes beyond basing it off of a whole lot of nothing or basing it off some circumstantial evidence. We have a hope based on a risen Savior. No other religion can offer that. If you're a Buddhist, the best you got is a fat little guy you can rub his belly. And nobody wants to rob a fat man's belly. Okay, it's gross. We have a risen Savior. That's exciting. Okay, that, that, that should get us all wound up. I said your exciter's broken. Airplanes have these things. Jet engines have exciter boxes. And it's sort of more or less kind of like a, a distributor cap or a coil pack. It's the same idea, just a little more higher voltage. You know, this stuff could actually kill you. Um, but if that exciter box is broken then one of the ignition systems or both of the ignition systems on that engine will not work and your engine won't start, okay? If your exciter is broken, guys, your engine's not going to start. You need to get that thing fixed. Get wound up. This is exciting. This is encouraging. This is probably the kind of message Pastor hoped me, for me to have on New Year's Eve. I didn't know it was supposed to be encouraging. So <laughs> this is just a couple weeks late, but here you go. And it's two minutes less, I promise. Um, <laughs> and the last thing about waiting Stay busy while you're waiting, okay? Being idle only makes the team, time seem to go slower. Um, for, you know, I've come to notice things. And, and one thing that I have found, and this is a proven fact, the, the longest hour of every week is the last hour of the last workday. Okay, for me, that's Friday. From about 2.30 to 3.30, 
I'm, I'm almost positive my clock actually goes backwards. You know, it doesn't do it when I'm looking at it, but I'm pretty sure that thing goes backwards. That is the longest hour of the week for me because it's the last hour, and I'm almost, you know, the weekend's almost there, I'm almost ready to go home. So you know what I try and do for that last hour? I don't try to get into any new big projects, but I just try and stay busy, tidy up loose ends, just get things, let's just, let's just stay focused, let's just push through, 59 more minutes, 60 more minutes, let's get through and let's get out of here. So you just try to stay busy to help it seem to go faster. I mean, a minute still takes a minute, but, you know, it's a whole mental thing. You know, one thing about Faith and Ben this past year, they would get up each morning, they went to work, they came to church on Sundays, Sunday school, morning service, Sunday evening. They, you know, Faith still doing practices as needed. They came to church Wednesdays. Usually after uh, evening service on Sundays, they would go to Kroger, and then they would get some groceries through the week. Uh, Faith likes to eat healthy, so she obviously didn't buy anything that you know I bought. Uh, she likes healthy food, so uh, there was none of that around me. So, and then you know, they would go, and then they would get their weekly groceries. And then every Monday, they would start the process all over again. Along the way, they did the things that were legally required. They had to go down and get the marriage license, that sort of thing. They had a few meetings with pastor. Uh, they they, they you know, asked some questions. They had some conversation there. See, the thing is, they stayed busy. They just didn't sit and wait, sit around and wait with their teeth in their mouth, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the date to arrive. They stayed busy. They, they stayed doing things for the Lord. They didn't drop out of church. They didn't get so focused on themselves that they quit. You know, they, they still went to camp. Ben said uh, when they went to camp, he gave his testimony. He said he'd have been happy just taking out the trash. But he got to be a, a, an assistant counselor. He said that, that thrilled him because he got to work with the young kids. And, and I think uh, the fact that they won probably, you know, even was the icing on the cake for him. But he had a great time up there, and he was just happy to be part of it. Faith Along with Hannah and, and, and Esther, they got to be, uh, I think Esther was a second-time year counselor, but um, for some of them, it was their first time. And, and they stayed, they're not just sitting around doing nothing. They're not idle. They're doing something. Okay, they're, they're staying busy. A lot of the guys, same thing. See, the Israelites, though, you start to think about that. They couldn't even wait for Moses to come down off the mountain. I mean, they hadn't waited hardly any time at all. And then the next thing you know, they make a, a golden calf. They make an idol. And then they, they start wandering around, and during their murmurings, rather than waiting to get to the true land of milk and honey, it, it always boggles my mind how they could refer to Egypt, to the land of milk and honey. And, it, and when I say that, it means because I've done the same thing. You, you, you get into the situation, and then all of a sudden, you, you start looking at a, another situation that was bad, and all of a sudden, it doesn't seem quite as bad as the situation you're currently in. And now you start lifting that up, and that's what they did. They think, well, you know... This is far worse than, than we were in Egypt, but what they left out was they were in Egypt. They were in bondage. They were enslaved. They were under the thumb of Pharaoh. See, wandering around in the wilderness, even though because it was their own fault, they were still being led by God. And it's better to be in the wilderness being led by God than be in bondage to Pharaoh and under his rule. But in their minds, that was the land of milk and honey. So they got it all confused. They couldn't wait for where, now if they had simply obeyed and they would have went in like God wanted them to and they had believed in Joshua and Caleb when they came back with the report, they could have been in the land 40 years sooner. But they wandered around because of their own sin, because of their own lack of trust, because they couldn't wait. We too are called to stay busy. We, we need to, we need to stay busy for the Lord. We need to, to do something. It's not to keep our salvation. It's not to maintain it. it it's not to, to even achieve it. It's to do something for Him, to, to spread that gospel, to try and tell others, encourage others, so that they too can go forth and encourage others. Do you ever think maybe sometimes that you know, you're dealing with a, a brother or sister that's down, and maybe you just give them a little bit of a pep talk, give them, help, just help them get through the day, and then maybe somewhere along that day or along that week, because of the encouragement you gave them, they were able to help somebody else. Or maybe you gave them just enough to get them kind of wound up, get them going again, and they were able to share the Lord with somebody else. And maybe somebody else got saved because of that. You're saying, well, that's a whole lot of hypothetical situations. We have, but you can't prove me wrong. 
Bottom line is, just do what's right. Lift up Jesus Christ and let the results to him. And he can use that thing if you do it with the right heart. See, just stay busy. Don't let the world get you down. Life stinks. We all understand that. We're going to always, you're, you know, you're in the valley, you're coming out of the valley, you're on the mountaintop. You're, we, we get it. We understand it. You're into the storm, you're coming out of the storm, you're going through the storm. That's just life. It's cyclic. But the true constant is Jesus Christ. And there's that hope because we know what's waiting for us. So we know what we get to go to. And you're going to be doing something. Okay, here's the thing, though. You're going to be doing something. Nobody ever just sits there and does nothing. And nobody does that unless you're physically incapable. Nobody just does nothing. So you're going to be doing something for somebody. So you need to choose who you're doing something for. Either you're doing something for Jesus Christ or you're doing it for the devil. Who are you doing what for? And then the last thing, the marriage. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 19. The thing that all the preparation, all the, all the waiting, everything that has taken place, now it all comes to fruition. Chapter 19, verses 6 through 9. Oh, and just as a side note, thank you all for praying. Faith and Ben are there. They've arrived safely. So um, I appreciate you praying for that. I really do because it was you know, just a different situation. Some bad weather they were heading into. Um, Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of many thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, cast or clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Finally, the big day arrives. All the, 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 the planning is done. As, as we started getting closer and closer, I told, you know, I was telling Robin and I tell Faith, I said, look, this thing's on autopilot now. I said, this is a speeding train. The momentum is, is we, can't, we couldn't hardly stop it if we wanted to other than just cancel the whole thing altogether. I said, so there's really no point in worrying about anything up to this point. It, just let it go. Whatever happens, happens. Leave it up to God and, and we've done the best we could up to this point. So let's just let the thing happen. And then the day came, and the day went. But see, here's the thing. When we get to that marriage supper of the Lamb, that day ain't going to go nowhere. We're, I mean, that's eternity for us. We're there. We've, we've arrived. And that day, you know, we, we get married, and it's like that, that, that's, that's a day of, of celebration. But then as you go on, you know, you get further and further from that wedding date, and life kind of beats you down a little bit. You still think back on that with fondness, but that day has come and gone. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't last, but... When we finally get to be with Jesus Christ, that's going to last for eternity. That day doesn't go away. All the time, all the effort, and it finally arrives, and it's here. Yesterday they commented how just how perfect everything went. And, and they just, you know, they were happy just sitting back there and just cherishing the moment. Robin got a, a text from somebody, and, and uh, he commented, and he said how tasteful everything was. Church, you were a good testimony yesterday, as you always are at these events. Funerals, you've heard it time and time again from the pulpit. You were a good testimony to a lot of people, not only from uh, people in other churches, but there were some lost individuals here, um, even the Rue family. They were a little unsure. There were some things that we were doing that uh, they haven't seen before, uh, as far as the, the entering in, and, and, and they, they, there were some things that they were, why are you doing it this way? They, you know, they, they were questioning because they hadn't seen it done that way. But then when it was all said and done, they said, well, while we've never seen it done that way, it all flowed very nicely, and it came together very well, and it was all done decently and in order, and it was very nice. And, and this, this uh, person that texted Robin, he said, it, it was nice how the emphasis, you know, Faith and Ben were just happy just sitting there. They didn't have to be the center of attention. They didn't have to, you know, go out, hey, look at me. It was just, they were happy just sitting there and just, just soaking it all in, 
just hearing from people, people talking, going up. It was nice to have that table set up. People could go up there and talk to them and, and give them their congratulations or their condolences, whatever they felt was appropriate. Um, but see, he was impressed by the way we conducted ourselves, by the way you conducted yourselves. See, that was a good testimony, and that's what we're supposed to do. That, that's what it's about, people. Trying to be a good witness for Jesus Christ. Put on a good... Amen. Look, you can have people that come out of church and they've been in church all their life. But see, that doesn't necessarily mean because they're in church. They could be saved. I'm not questioning his salvation. But I do question maybe some of the things that he's been preached to or, pre you know, or taught from the pulpit. I question some of the things that he's seen. Were they done the right way? Or were they done man's way? Because a lot of times churches try to incorporate uh, corporation into the church. They try to, to make it a business rather than something of God. And, and you can lose your sight. You can lose your vision when you do that. And it, it's, it's funny how we're, we're very simple here. We're very simplistic. I'm not saying in our minds or in our thinking. I'm just saying the way we do things. We're not full of glitz and glamour. We don't have the high tech stuff. We don't have a coffee bar. and We don't do all that. But yet what we do, people never seem to be, uh, they, they're always amazed when they come in and they see the things that transpire. Because they're used to, to so much more, and then they come in and they see, wow, less really is more. Because we put the focus on Jesus Christ. We put the focus on God's Word, where it should be. Not on people, not on things, not on programs, not on events. See, so many churches want to start up these programs to bring people in. The problem with that is, then you always have to do something to tickle their ears. You always got to do something to keep them once you got them. It's very simple here. Just preach the word. Let God do the rest. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. I remember one time years ago, we had a, a kid in our class, Sunday school class, and, and um, it, it was difficult because um, it's, it's, it's hard when you have a kid that has so much of the, uh, of the worldly stuff and the electronics and, and he hangs out with kids like that. It, it's, it's hard when you only get them for an hour a week. And I was praying about it, and I went to, the, you know, I came up to the altar one time. And this has been years. But I came up to the altar, and, and I prayed. I said, how can I reach this kid? What can I possibly give him in one hour out of the week? Because he's going to leave out of here. And then he's going to have all the, you know, all the electronics in front of him that he's got. And he's going to have all his friends that have all their cool clothes and their electronics and everything that they've got going on. And, and then that, that, that uh, verse, um, I'm going to have to paraphrase but um, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give unto thee. And I said, you know, I've got really nothing to give this kid other than God's word. I can't compete with, with you know, whatever, Nintendos or Segas or Playstations. I can't compete with that. I can't, you know. How am I supposed to do that? That's not what I'm called here to do. I'm not called here to have a, a, a John Madden football party in, in Sunday school. That's not worse. But you know what I did? I said, give him the word. Give him the word of God. Teach from this book. Teach him the lessons. Show him how Daniel can relate to us. Show them how David relates to us. Show them how Paul relates to us. Bring it down to their level so that they can understand how, even though these stories are, happened a long time ago, they are true and they are accurate and they're as relevant today as the day they occurred. It's just make it real to them. And I did that. I don't know who that young individual is today. Um, I haven't seen him in a long time. But you know what, it's, that's not on me. I did the best I could do, and the best that I could do was give him God's word. I leave the rest up to God. <clears throat> Another thing we've seen yesterday, the bride was properly adorned. And, and you say, well, you know, you're just preaching on faith. No, I'm really not. This is an event that happened yesterday, and I'm likening it unto an event that's going to happen. And the, pre, the bride was properly adorned, but she didn't make it about her. It was a celebration of the start of their life together. But you know what? We're going to be properly adorned, as the Bible says. Um, verse 8, she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. But you know what? When you read down through there, it's not about the bride. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. Right. See, we're going to be cleaned up, and we're going to look good for that, that event, but it's just going to reflect back to him. It's just going to give him the glory that he deserves and the honor he deserves. 
And then, you know what, we're going to be glad to do it because we're going to be in his presence. We're going to say, oh, you know, I, nothing I did. I'm a screw up. I'm just glad to be here. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. So please, God, take all the honor. You deserve that and so much more. When that day arrives, the only regrets we'll have are regrets that we didn't do more for him. There will be no regrets about accepting him as our Savior. There will be no regrets for the choices and the things that we laid aside so that we could have him. When that day arrives, the cost will no longer matter. Now, while salvation is free, discipleship will cost you something. Discipleship can cost you friends. It can cost you family. It can cost you some power and authority. It can cost you uh, um, your, uh, your uh, reputation and your standing with the world. Sorry, your state with the world. It can cost you some things as far as the world is concerned. But once you get with him, none of that will matter. You'll say, man, I'm, I'm glad it cost me because they were just holding me back anyway. It's all but dung. It's all counted but dung. It's not, it's not worth anything to begin with. When that day arrives, there will no longer be a longing for the past. A lot of times we'll look back and we'll say, man, well, those were the good old days. There's not going to be any good old days once we're Jesus Christ. They're all going to be bad old days. Every single, even our best day here on earth will be worse than our worst day with him. And I can't even imagine what the worst day will be like. I mean, you're in, in the presence of perfection, the presence of Jesus Christ. What's the worst day going to be? I, I can't even imagine. Nobody can. A worse day there will be better than your best day here. And then when that day arrives, finally, it'll be worth it all. All the sadness, all the sickness, everything we've endured, everything we've had to put up with, it'll all be worth it because we've done it for him. And then that, that marriage supper will uh, occur and we'll get to spend eternity with him. And, and the event that we planned for, the event that we prepared for, all the waiting Everything that we've had to do to get to that point, all of a sudden, it won't matter anymore because we will finally have arrived. That's what the wedding's going to be like. That should be exciting. That, that is, I mean, that is encouraging because this world really has nothing encouraging to offer. Now, you may get to work tomorrow and you may get a raise and that may encourage you for a little bit. You may get a new set of wheels, new, you know, new house. That may be encouraging for a season, but... That truck I bought in 2006, when I sold it in 2018, had rust, had some, you know, little things here and there. See, it didn't stay new and shiny and pretty like it was the day I bought it. It just, time wore on it. But that's not going to happen when we're in his presence. Father God, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity. I just pray, Lord, this was an encouragement. Um, it, it, it's just something to, to give us some glimmer of hope, what, what lies ahead, Lord, what you've promised us and what we have in front of us. Um, the past doesn't matter, and it certainly won't matter then, Lord. We love you, and I just pray, Lord, as we leave out of here tonight, you just uh, get us all home safely. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.